Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right, DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly. All you have to do is place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they're offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlanski, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Nick Horwat, who's getting ready to dunk on some fools today because we are talking Tristan Jari. Yes, you love to hate him. You love to love him. Either way, you love something about him. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins starting goalie as of right now. And then, of course, we're going to finish our episode off with the Pens poll. But the majority of this episode will be about Tristan Jari. So tune in, strap in, and get ready for some controversy because that has been the theme when it comes to talking about Penguins goaltending since, honestly, we were born, pretty much. <laughs> so Definitely the early flurry days, definitely the mid-flurry days whenever he was having his bad <clears throat> playoff sessions. Yeah. And then um, it's just been around. Mm-hmm. I think it's another summer of it, except this one. We're really just kind of blowing it all out of proportion, I feel like, and this is stuff we'll get into. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely start talking about everything that we need to break down, but the big question that we're asking today and the question that we want you to answer, so if you hear this question and you want to chime in, send us a message on Iceberg Podcast at Twitter or Tip of the Iceberg Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Let us know your opinions, but the question is, should we be more confident in Tristan Jari. Not the goaltending duo as a whole, but Tristan Jari himself. Should we be more confident? Horwat, what's your answer to this? Absolutely we should. And it's not just because... Um, there's a couple of reasons why you should still be confident. I mean, it's because, One reason, no moves are getting made mm-hmm. for a new goalie. If they were going to be made, they would have happened by now. They probably would have happened before the draft. They probably would have happened... Uh, before free agency or during free agency, during the opening uh, couple of days. Now, here we are, three weeks for, almost removed from the opening of free agency and nothing mm-hmm. on the front of goalies for the Penguins aside from a uh, college pickup 
who's going to play in the minors, who might be something in the future, but that's not for this year. And there's no one left. I think we said that before in an episode, there's no one left in the prospect pool, or in the free agency pool. There's Devin Dubnik. Keep him as far away from my team as possible. I don't care if he would just be a backup situation. No thank you. Louis Domingue, who I think is close to retiring anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other free agent goalies, because there's not many. There's like one more decent name, but not one we would go near. Tuka Rask, no. He's going to be hurt for the half the season. It's going to resign in Boston anyway. Um, that's one reason why you should stay confident in him. Two, uh, the numbers show he's a solid goalie. Yeah, he fell apart in the playoffs, and we can all agree that that happened. I'm not going to defend his playoff play. Jari himself's not going to defend his playoff performance. Um, it was bad, but for what it's worth... The dude had a baller regular season. Baller? Baller. All right. Put it this way. Uh, He finished... I guess we're going to jump right into it. He finished fourth in the league in wins among NHL goalies. One win behind the Vesna winner. (laughs) He finished one win behind Fleury, who won the Vesna. Um, Let's say... That little slow start Jari got off to. What was his record early on? I gotta find his game logs. Let's say he pulls out a couple of wins over losses early in the season. Like in his first, like he loses the first two up until let's go with about the first month or so of the season, first couple of weeks. He lost four times. Let's say he turns three of those into wins. Then you're saying he now has what is it, twenty eight, twenty nine wins. That's good for third in the league. Still one behind Philip Grubauer, two behind Vasilevsky. I don't know about you. If Jari has a solid start to the season, all of his numbers get inflated. Dude's probably a Vesna candidate because it was kind of a slow year for Vesna candidacy. No offense to Fleury. He deserved it. But maybe not this year because that argument has been made a thousand times already. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know what we're all freaking out about. We're all freaking out about the postseason, though. And I know what you're saying. It's a six-game yeah. sample size versus, what, a 35-game sample size from the regular season. But where the Penguins are at in their current state of contention, they can't have a goaltender not be good in the postseason. If they want to go and win another Stanley Cup in the Crosby era— you need something not just better than what Tristan Jari gave you last postseason. You need something completely different. You need basically a wholesale change. He needs to go from what he did in that postseason to how he was in 2019-20. If we got the 2019-20 version of Tristan Jari, this wouldn't be an issue. Now, I, I do sound at the start here like I'm coming directly at you and I don't agree at all because that's wrong. I agree. We should be more confident in Tristan Jari than most people are showing right now. Most people have zero confidence that he can get any part of this job done. We've seen in the past two seasons that he can get the job done in the regular season. Even last year, you mentioned he finished, what, top five in wins for goaltenders. Now, if you don't like wins as a goaltender stat, he finished with a 2.75 goals allowed average and a 909 save percentage. When I saw that save percentage, it was a lot higher than I remembered it being. For sure, because I remember mm-hmm. early in the season, obviously, when he had a 776, 777 save percentage after the first couple of games, it was not good. And you even mentioned the entire first month of the season, Tristan Jari's save percentage 
was below 900. So for the, him to finish at 909, that just kind of is a testament to how much better he got throughout the season to be able to pull it up to something at least average when it comes to the league. Now, his goal yeah. saved above average was 1.3. Again, very average performance in that statistic. But if you look at where he was at the beginning of the season, to get it to that number, he had to perform extremely well. So yeah, Tristan Jari in the regular season, I'm not too upset at what I see there. I am a little wary of his performance in the postseason and how he's going to bounce back from having that postseason early on this year and during the regular season. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not here to say we should stand on um, the pedestal that Jari was phenomenal beginning to end last season. I'll be the first to say he had a horrible postseason. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll be the first to say he had a slow start to the year. But given the fact that he put up some solid numbers during the regular season should at least give you hope in a sense that he knows he can do this. Mm -hmm. He knows he can do it. Management's backing him up by not making any um, NHL goalie decisions. And for what it's worth, you think of all people who knows the ins and outs of the mentality of a goalie, it would be former Smythe winning goalie Ron Hextall. You know, it's he understands what Jari's probably going through, and he also played in front of Philadelphia. That couldn't have been easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's... I mean, yeah, maybe I'm reading a little further into, um, you know, a goalie GM getting behind his goalie on his team. But it's something to take note of that ever since the playoffs ended, Ron Hextall and Brian Burke have both been behind Jari. Yeah, they've. I think a lot of people try to read between the lines with what Jari or with what uh, Hextall and Burke have been saying. You know, I think uh, Rob Rossi, who did give a scathing interview that I am s still need to go back and listen to again to kind of remember what exactly was said, uh, but he tore into Jari a little bit, and again, rightfully so, because that postseason sucked. But whenever you're asking Hextall a question about the goaltending situation, and he happens to not use um, Jari's name and just says whatever he said, that's reading too far into things. I was reading between the lines of, oh, a move is coming because he didn't use Tristan Jari's name. That's reading between the lines more than you need to. Mm -hmm. Then there's, you know, and I'm not to call you out or throw you under the bus, but I brought up to you on an episode that, um, you know, Hextall said again, he's going to keep uh, Jari and DeSmith on the team. And you said, well, that means they're going to be on the team. That doesn't, that means they'll be on the team. That doesn't mean a move is still going to be made. Well, what are we doing? Are we just adding a goalie? Now we have three goalies. Are we going to bury DeSmith's contract again? It wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be, but I don't think we want to do it again. No. You know what I mean? We would. The only goalie move that still makes sense to me in this situation would be someone who's okay with getting league men and sitting in the press box. Who, that's not what the fans want. Well, somebody who's league men and sitting in the press box, first of all, I don't think goalies ever make league men, but... Realistically, I, I know what you're saying. Somebody who's going to not make a lot of money and be okay being a healthy scratch, yeah. but that's not somebody that's going to help this current situation. Exactly. That's not what the fans want, and that's that's just a waste of a. The sign. fans want a Vezina caliber goaltender like John Gibson to come over. <laughs> or Flurry, and I and I'll even say that when the Flurry thing was happening, I think, sure, I don't want to see Jari moved at this moment in time, mm -hmm. but when the Flurry thing was happening. 
I was for it because, regard. I mean, there are, it, there are pros and cons to Flurry coming back here, and I'll get to them. But he's a step up, regardless. His Flurry is probably at that at that moment, at this moment at least, a better goalie than Tristan Jari. No matter what, no matter who the player is, if you are sending one out to get someone better, as a fan, you should be okay with that. If you're telling me Jake Gensel's getting traded tomorrow, I'm curious as to who is coming back it has to be someone better if you're saying jake gensel's going out because we're getting connor mcdavid i'm cool <laughs> with it take him take him i'll drive him to the airport myself yeah like that's you have to understand that mentality when it comes to trades the, the flurry thing i said there are pros and cons the pros are he's your vesna winner it's we are probably the only team apparently aside from chicago that he would want to play <clears throat> want to play for after that trade and it is a step forward. Cons, he is, he's, guys, he's still old. Yeah. He is still old and can fall apart. That is not a fully reliable starter. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Um, and you want to have to fall back onto Smith again? No, thanks. Also, that cap hit, we just can't take it. Yeah. We can't. I don't care how many people we have to go through. Cut it in half. We can't cut it in half. We still can't afford it. Get a third party. We can't afford a million dollars on Flurry. We have a hundred thousand dollars left of space. Unless you're bringing in half the league, we're not affording them. Yeah, it's easy as that. Um, so the Flurry thing, as fun as it would have been, it was just a fun pipe dream. Well, an interesting thing, and I wish I would have thought about this. I was on the hockey lounge last week, and they they threw out the idea to me that hey, if Chicago is not contending late in the season, the Penguins are getting ready to ramp up around a playoff spot. I, they could they said, oh, I could see Flurry being traded to Pittsburgh as a trade deadline rental. And here's the thing that I, I wish I would have thought of when I was on the show there. Because I, I said, you know what? That would work out. I mean, that'd be cool for the Penguins to add a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury late in the season, kind of bolster that position. But the thing that I didn't think about is is that cap hit. Unless you are siphoning money through a third-party team in which we only have to pay Marc-Andre Fleury $1.75 million, there's no way the Penguins are going to make that trade vying for a playoff spot because they'd have to get rid of somebody worth cap. And... I don't think even Jason Zucker, I don't think that's a guy that you trade out prior to the trade deadline if you're looking to get better. Unless somebody is willing to basically pay 90% of Flurry's salary through, you know, by hook or by crook through the legal system of the salary cap in the NHL, it's not something that is viable. And I I apologize uh, to Nick and Oppo because I didn't think about this when I was on their show, but I'm thinking about it now. And it's just not feasible with the salary cap. It's feasible in fantasy land, which is where I love yeah. to live sometimes. And I, you, you have to bring me back to reality sometimes, but <laughs> in the salary cap era and with Flurry's $7 million salary cap and the Penguins having no space, that's not something that's feasible. It's not. And again, I, I never thought about a, uh, an end of season rental situation where again, I feel like that would make sense. Ironically enough, I feel like Jari would have to be the one going back though because he makes 3-5 exactly half of uh Flurry's salary and he's only got an extra year on contract wise yep, so but I, I don't want to do that but you don't want to do that yeah because you want to go in with the one two of Jari and uh DeSmith or of, Flurry. Uh, and Flurry but you you would have to lose uh, you'd basically have to say can you guys take Matheson off our hands yeah Yes, and also at that point of the season, do you have a defenseman that's going to step in for what Mike Matheson does? I know the contract's bad, but... 
at that point of the season, you would hope maybe uh, Friedman has figured out, maybe we figured out what's going on with Friedman in the lineup. Maybe uh, Theo Joseph is a regular. Who knows? Maybe yeah. injuries have played a factor. Maybe Taylor Fadoon's in there. Maybe some other minor leaguer gets called up. Yeah. Who, like, maybe Yuso Rikula's in the lineup. For God. Who knows? You know, like, Listen, hell won't freeze over that much this year. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I mean, it's... We would. That's a situational thing that we can have that discussion when the situation is yeah. beginning to present itself. I do like the idea of bringing him in as the rental at the end of the season, um, but you have to also remember. Well, then what do we do? Yeah, because he's not going to want to retire yet. And we're who? Who are we to say no? We're not going to re-sign Mark Andre Fleury. And I think obviously it's not going to be the same cap hit. But realistically, when we're talking about this rental situation. It isn't just Marc-Andre Fleury. He is just the big name that we would be looking at. There's other situations. John Gibson, I mean, he's a name that's thrown out there. I doubt the Ducks are going to be in contention at that point. But also, again, the salary cap is going to make it difficult. And it's a lot harder to play around with the salary cap in season when you have players that are meaning something to this team, that are meaning something to where your team is at at that point. So it makes it more difficult. And I know that we've kind of gotten away from the core subject, and we'll get back to it in a second, which is Tristan Jari. But I think the importance of this discussion is what we saw from Jari in 2019-20. That is where we all got all of our confidence in him in the first place. He was an all-star for the NHL. He went 2012-1, hit a 2.43 goals allowed average, a 921 save percentage, and oh yeah, an 11.1 goal saved above average. One of the best in the league in that season. And you know what the big difference was between that season and last season? Even though, as you mentioned, he did have a a good season last year, but his numbers did drop. What the big difference was there was Matt Murray was behind him. Now, Matt Murray wasn't great by any means that season, but he was pushing for the starting job a lot more than Casey DeSmith has a right to do. And it was somebody that kept Jari on his toes. And that is, at the core, what I believe Hextall and Burke were looking for. They weren't looking for somebody to take over for Tristan Jari. They were looking for somebody to push Tristan Jari. And if if all things go wrong, yeah, he'll take over. But that's not the ideal situation. And I, as well as a lot of people, got lost in the sauce talking about Marc-Andre Fleury, John Gibson, Mm -hmm. all these options to replace Jari straight up. But the realistic aspect is they were looking for somebody to push him and possibly take over at worst case scenario. Not somebody to just take over right out the gate and that's what i still think can happen and i when i say that that's what i think can happen you bring in a guy like anton hudobin who is basically a prime candidate i don't think he's going to be coming here but that is the archetype for what you are looking for and what it seems hextall and burke are looking for is somebody that can start but somebody that realistically you want to push to make tristan jari better because that's what you need yeah, I don't totally disagree with that either. Bringing in someone who has um, got some sort of pedigree to kind of be that push, it was just the first season that Jari had by himself. It was his first season as full-time starter. I think, I'm trying to remember, Murray's first season as full-time starter wasn't that great. It was good. I'm trying to just remember. It was the 2018 attempt thing. to make the 3 peat year, yeah. Or 2017-18, sorry. Yeah, we started we started that season with Anthony Niemi, guys. Yeah. Um, so, 
Murray's first season by himself wasn't because wasn't that also the year that um wait that was like Jari's also he snuck in that year for a couple of games for a small stretch yes yeah and he was pretty good so yeah 26 games <laughs> yeah yeah okay so in Murray's first um season's full-time starter he had a 907 and a 2.92 with a 27 and 16 don't say they're that's freakishly similar isn't it whoa yeah Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty similar whoa okay i didn't realize all that 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 would have added a whole new section to my story (laughs) um holy shit okay so there that is freakishly similar i get that jari played in a shortened season murray was hurt and i think that was the year his dad died right that was Was that season i'm pretty sure that was the season so extenuating circumstances, they had very similar seasons. And for what it's worth, I think Murray's following season, if I'm remembering correctly, Murray's next season was much better in 18-19, despite a first-round playoff loss. Um, 29-14 with a 219-269. You like seeing that. That's pretty good. So Murray was able to bounce back into his, in his second season as a full-time starter with DeSmith behind him. Um so you just ha- you can't lose hope in these guys. Mm-hmm. They're young. I mean, the age might be the biggest difference between first season as full-time starter. Murray was 23. Jari um, was 24, 25. He's, he was 20. Yeah, he was like 24, 25. Um, sure, you're a little older, but you're about to hit your prime. So what you do this year uh, is kind of going to be the baseline of what we expect you to do, mm-hmm. and you have to excel past that. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm excited to watch him again. Again, like I said, he's had a solid regular season, and hopefully that can just build up confidence to push it into the playoffs. And we have a new goalie coach, so maybe some decision-making will be better. Um, I get the goaltending coach is a lateral move, but it's still something to kind of, you know, start a little bit of a fire maybe to get you know get a little uh little kindling going it's it's just hard whenever you see people um you know freak out over their goalie who doesn't go 82 and 0 you see the fans immediately want to run him out of town because um you know yeah okay well we're gonna let the playoffs slide here but because he had a slow start to the year Mm -hmm. and then uh, two years ago, we couldn't win in California, and I think Jari was in net for at least two of those games. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Doesn't look good, you know, when he has his down times, and you know, and Rob Rossi is totally right when he says Jim Rutherford may have oversigned him for about six solid weeks worth of an NHL career. Um, but regardless, at this point, he's proven to still be an NHL starter despite it only being. Um, a solid regular season. I think there is more that can come from him and he can grow as a playoff performer. That just has to take a little more time. You also have to remember, he is the reason why we were first in the division in the hardest division in the league this year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's not something that you can really ignore, especially whenever you think about the fact that, I mean, do, do we not ever see sophomore slumps? There's sophomore slumps all of the time in the NHL. It happens with every player. I mean, do we not always see that there's players that have a great first year and their second season is not that great? 
I mean, we see that all the time. The only problem is right now with Tristan Jari, that's what we saw last year, and we just don't have the time to allow it. You're right. You're right. I'll be honest, I missed a lot of that, but I heard Tristan Jari and time to allow. And yeah, getting time to allow Tristan Jari to grow. Um, yeah, you're, when it's, I'm assuming you're talking about win now mode. I mean, just th the fact that he had a sophomore slump. It, it happens. Yeah. We see it, it but it's just because it of where the Penguins are at that that added pressure yeah. is, is why he's under the microscope and his position. It doesn't, that's what also no, doesn't help. It doesn't help. And you're totally right. It's, you have your sophomore slumps, but it's still possible to look like a very good goalie with a very good team in front of you. Mm -hmm. And I think this team in front of them this year might not be as skilled or as confident as last season. I feel like we're going into this uh, next year, not a step back, but um, with, with a little bit more room of prove stuff to me. You know, we don't have the McCann situation. There's no McCann anymore. There's no uh, Tanev anymore. It's these new guys who definitely don't ha bring the same sort of skill or fun, but they can prove something. And mm -hmm. depending on how many minor leaguers or uh, junior players end up playing this year, yeah, it'll be a different team in front of Tristan Jari. So it's going to be a question of, yeah, he's going to, have to put up a good season because who knows what he's going to be facing exactly. Yeah. Uh, it'll, it's, yeah, it's going to basically be, I don't know. It's, it's difficult to really an and give analysis to goaltending. Again, we talk about it all the time. It's voodoo. Hell, for all we know, he could be a Conn Smythe winner next year. and We're sounding like a bunch of assholes right now, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's fun. It's still fun stuff to talk about because, you do know there are some sort of um, connections to be talked about here. Yeah, and I think there's definitely a theme around the league of do you pay your young goalie that doesn't have that much experience or do you, do you get rid of them? We saw this past week. Igor Shesterkin signed a huge contract with the New York Rangers. Carter Hart signed a contract with the Philadelphia Flyers. I wouldn't say huge. And then and Carter Hart was terrible. And Carter, yeah, and Carter Hart was 100% worse than Tristan Jari last year. Yes, and then you see somebody like Alex Nedeljkovic, who was a Calder nominee, and he gets, you know, he gets traded because the Carolina Hurricanes weren't willing to give a guy that inexperienced that kind of contract. Detroit and Steve Eiserman, they were. So it's a weird decision-making process, but Jim Rutherford already made that decision before last season that the Penguins are going to take that risk on Tristan Jari. And last year he played, as you mentioned, pretty decently. Postseason was bad. We get it. We understand. He didn't have confidence. He did not have confidence at all in that series. And that's something you can see because as everybody notices, when he's confident, he's playing the puck and he tried to play the puck. He tried to push through that because he, he was not confident and he still tried to play the puck because he knows he's better when he does that. And that's when you get what happens in game five. That's when you get that turnover. And that's what you don't need. You need Tristan Jari to play with confidence because when he does, He's the goalie that we saw in 2019-20. He's the goalie that we saw for spurts last season. That's the reason that he got up to a 909 save percentage. I don't think he's going to go out there and be a Vesna nominee goaltender. I don't think that I am going to have 100% confidence in him, similar to how I'm not going to have 100% confidence in this entire team in the postseason until I see something happen because they've lost three straight years in the first round. 
So it's not all on him. But does he not deserve a chance to prove everybody wrong? He absolutely does. It's you can't just immediately kick out your like I, like I said, he's only twenty six. You you don't immediately kick out your twenty six year old goalie because he had one um, major, albeit major, but one gaffe in the postseason. Yeah. It's you also have to remember Flurry had a pretty big gaffe in the postseason. Yeah, he cost the Vegas Golden Knights that series. Yeah, so in reality, on not, I mean, it's not the same on paper. We're not if we were to make that move, we're not because because salary, yeah. and age and experience. It's a little different, but at the same premise of you would still be starting your next season with a goalie who had a pretty big flub in the playoffs and cost a series. Yeah. And at least with Jari, and no offense to Flurry, we know he's probably gonna have a he's probably have a phenomenal season in Chicago. Mm-hmm. There's at least a little more stability and a little more certainty of well, he's younger, he still has a an entire career ahead of him. He should at least be decent this year. Whereas Flurry, he's another year older. Who really knows? I mean, goal t- I guess goaltending's weird, and once you get old in hockey, things kind of fall apart. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Flurry's gonna fall apart. I'm saying you just never know. Hell, for all we for all we know, you know, like we always say, Latang could fall apart as, at any moment. Evgeny Malkin could fall apart at Evgeny moment. God forbid Sidney Crosby falls apart out of nowhere. I doubt that, but continue. You know I, mean? I do doubt it too, but we see great players and just things happen. I mean, Danny Heatley lost his career out of it basically because mm-hmm. he was so good, and then just had a couple down seasons, and that was it. No one wanted to sign him anymore. It's Things change like that, mm-hmm. and for Tristan Jari, it, things can change like that. It could be for the better, it could be for the worse. We're hoping for the better because that's the more a ideal but also probable situation. Yeah, I mean, it, to tie it up in a nice little bow, the question of does he deserve a chance to prove everybody wrong? He he does. Absolutely. Should we be more confident in Tristan Jari? We should be. I don't necessarily say that I'm there yet personally, but okay. I want him to prove me wrong. Do I think he can? Yes. I, I think there's a chance he could prove me wrong. But right now, my confidence, it, it is a little wavering. I, I see the reasons to be confident. I understand it. But I'm not looking at this as, will he be able to get the job done in the regular season? I, I can trust that most likely he'll be able to do good enough during the regular season that the Penguins can vie for a playoff spot. Am I confident in Tristan Jari being the goaltender that takes us to our sixth Stanley Cup? I'm not at this particular moment. That can change, and I want him to prove me wrong, but at this moment, no. And should we be? Yes, because the numbers say that we should be. I agree with you there. But personally, I'm not, and I see why other people are not. uh, And I get that. It's just I I more or less wanted to really discuss, because you're right, he does does totally deserve the right to prove people wrong. I'm not fully confident in him, Mm -hmm. but I at least know he's going to prove something in the regular season. And then is where the uh, the hesitations with me lie. It's the playoffs. And honestly, we live through flurry. We know how this feels. <laughs> He's going to be great in the regular season. We're going to get to the postseason. And we're going to need a Thomas Bokun again because he's not going to be able to carry us. We're at least in this situation. Um, we're a little bit past that. We're a little more mature in, hey, let's at least give this guy a shot in net, not immediately look for the backup. Um because we watched Matt Murray for a couple of years carry this team uh, 
into some pretty good positions in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And again, I just don't like seeing people immediately want to ship out a guy after um, one bad year, a bad season. Could you not even a bad if, season, but a bad postseason? Yeah, like could, he had like Tristan Jarry had a very good regular season. It was the reason we were number one in the in the division and went into the playoffs as a one seed, the hardest division in the league. Could you imagine if? We shipped off Flurry after his first full after his first season as the full time starter. We would not have five Stanley Cups right now because we would have shipped him off after the because his first full full time starter season was two thousand five two thousand six. I get that team was bad, but Flurry did not look like a good goalie that, that year. Yeah. Period. I, I also get he was young. He was twenty one, but in fifty games, we played him for fifty games. He was thirteen and twenty seven. He did not have a hot start to his career. Mm-hmm. If we had the mentality then of shipping out Flurry because he wasn't good, it was his first season as full time starter. He was bad, and he also didn't play that great in, in the season before. Yeah, we'd be nowhere right now. Yeah, we'd probably be in Kansas City. Actually, I I might sound like a broken record here, but that it, you cannot compare those two. Because no, the, expe- the expectations of the fan base now are so much different than the expectations of the fan base back then. Listen, there was hope for the future with Crosby and then eventually with Stahl and with Malkin potentially coming over after we drafted him. But, you know, there is a different expectation now because it is proven that these guys can win and have won. There's an expectation that this team has after 15 straight postseason berths that just wasn't there with a young goaltender in Marc-Andre Fleury. There was not that much of an expectation. There was a hope that they would get to that point, but now we've seen them at that point, and they we've seen them sustain that point for a while. It's very hard to compare those two. I see the base of your argument, but it, mm-hmm. I think it's dangerous to think that that is the same exact idea. It's not the same exact, but if you do want, there is a constant there, and that is Sidney Crosby, and that season scoring 102 points... This season, not doing that, but averaging to what would have been, what, 80 or 90-something? Something around that, but also, I mean, the team around them. Nutty. The team the, uh, the team hey, around them. For what it's worth, that team was just laden with veterans who couldn't hack it anymore. You play that team, yeah. and it's like everyone in their prime, that team's winning. That's a phenomenal team. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but... If you want one more comparison out of it, the very next season, Flurry turned it around, turned it around, and had forty wins. All I'm saying is it's prime that Jari has a bounce back of a good deal, and let's not ship him out and have him do it with another team. This isn't the Murray situation where timing is everything. Yeah, right. This isn't Murray's just timing. It wasn't Flurry's time to leave because we had a younger goalie. It wasn't Murray's time to leave because we had. Because he was going to be taking more money and we just couldn't afford it. And he had the worst season. This is, there's no real um, goaltender controversy here. We're just trying to create one. I think we've been so used to having one that we need to have one. Exactly. That we need to have one. So this has to be the conversation. Mm -hmm. There isn't one. We're just trying to create one for the sake of something to talk about. The fact that Jari had to be asked... I forget what, which interview it was, asked what his thoughts were on the Penguins possibly bringing in another goal. He's disgusting. Yeah, well, the media throws that, no punches. No, and I think I read it in an ESPN article, so there's that for mm-hmm. you. Um, he, and Jari did say that's up to the management. But management has instilled their confidence, 
Hextall himself believes that he's going to turn it around and be a solid uh, goaltender. So you may as well, too, because he's going to be here. And you know what? Screw it. Enjoy it. He's not a super expensive goalie. Yes. <laughs> and he's good. Let's say he puts up 2019-20 numbers in a full season. I think the opinion vastly changes. Again, I'm still mm-hmm. going to have my reservations about the postseason, but that's fair. there's no way he can be worse than he was last season. Let's put it there. The fact that the Penguins almost beat the team that went to the semifinals of the Stanley Cup with that kind of a performance in the goaltending, you know, there's no way he can be that bad. So I guess there's reasons to have hope there. Uh, I think we need to also wait and see what he looks like when he comes out of camp and what he looks like in those first couple of games. He's going to be put to the test right away. Tampa, Florida, Chicago, those aren't easy games to win for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we'll see how he handles the start of this season, especially on a team without a Genny Malkin, which is just going to make it that much harder. So he's he's got the skill. It's just all between the eyes now. Yeah, and and you're hoping that he comes out and he just completely leaves last postseason behind him and starts anew this season. If I see that, I'll have a lot more confidence knowing where his mental framework is. So yeah, I can't speak on that. I you know even if I see it, I'm not going to be able to speak on where his mental framework actually is. But you just hope that it's better all you do and i think a new goaltending coach will help and a new season just a fresh start yeah full season um that should all help who knows if there will be fans in this year because yay delta variants mm. yeah uh, that being said you know what doing it in front of a crowd for the love of god support him that's all i'm getting at <laughs> for the love of god support him. Uh, yeah something tells me that he if he struggles that he's not going to get the support that he should but i mean let's let's hope that he doesn't struggle because then he'll get all the support he needs Oh, if he's struggling, I mean, we'll be behind these same exact microphones in this same spot saying he should be better, so we'll be part of it. Yeah, but. most likely, but that's just what we do. We comment on, on the the current yeah. state of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And at least we're out here supporting him now. Yeah, well, you more so than me, but I, I still have his back a little bit. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a little bit more Mike Lang talk. We enjoyed talking about him last week. And in fact, he was the subject of our weekly Pens poll. So we'll have that Pens poll for you right after the break. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN right above me there if anybody's watching the video of this. But we're going to talk about our weekly pens poll, and that is, of course, one that means a lot to me. And it is in honor of the great Mike Lang retiring. What is the best Mike Lang goal call? Which, I mean, another way to say that is Langisms. What is the best Langism that you can have? He beats him like a rented mule, actually tied with Scratch My Back with a hacksaw at 32%. So this is the first time we've had a tie for first place for those two. Other came in third with 22%. And he wants to sell my monkey. Came in last with 14%. Horwat, what was your favorite Mike Langism? Was it on the poll or was it something else? Uh, I have a couple of favorites because there's so many just like small ones that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the famous ones that you listed off. But there's also Michael Michael Motorcycle. There's, does know if he wants to cry or wind his watch. He lost his liquor license. Mm-hmm. Smoked like a bad cigar. There's so many. Mm-hmm. That I really, I just like the small ones. There's also the easy ones that, that are for the player. Yeah. 
you know, slap me silly Sydney, make me a milkshake Malkin. Those are the good ones too. So I think like, I gotta like the ones that are a little more personalized, personal to the player. Yeah, it's like there, that's his. That's why there was a milkshake in Evgeny Malkin's McDonald's meal. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it probably wasn't why, but it's that's it. It's a nice little nod to it. And if you know, if there was no connection there at all, well, now there is. You're welcome. So I like those little personal ones more than um, the big popular ones that are kind of broad that you can use whenever. Mm-hmm. Also, Arnold Slick from Turtle Creek is yeah. great because the Pittsburgh language is in there and it's awesome. Yeah. I Growing up playing street hockey in my on my front driveway, I would be calling games like Mike Lang and most of these would come out of my mouth with me not even actually understanding what they meant or, or understanding what that even said. And it, it was just something that is very unique to him. I mean, he, he's the king of catchphrases because mm-hmm. so many, and, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to miss a lot of them. And some of our listeners actually put in the comments some of their favorites. Uh, Rory put in that he loves Slap Me Silly Sydney and, and Make Me a Milkshake Malkin. So those are obviously the best ones. Uh, Randy said it might not be a goal call, but he's still a huge fan of dishing out checks like it's the first of the month. I mean, that's, a good, that, that's a good one. And MC said, get in the fast lane, Grandma. The bingo game is ready to roll. Obvi- like, those are classics. And they're ones that he really made famous here in Pittsburgh. I mean, they're, they're the subject of shirts. They're the subject of everything. And then you go to his two overarching ones, his open and his close. You have, it's a hockey night in Pittsburgh, and Elvis has just left the building. Two of the most iconic phrases Along there with the great Badger Bob Johnson's It's a Great Day for Hockey. Those three phases just encapsulate the Pittsburgh Penguins. Every fan that follows the Pittsburgh Penguins knows all of those. Yeah, it's. I'm currently trying to re, like flip through a uh, Post-Gazette article that is just uh, Langisms. I don't know when this was written, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really matter because they're kind of all-encompassing. It's not like there's too many new ones yeah. either. Um because we don't see, like, uh, Kapanen getting a special one, which would be hysterical. Um, but you also get, there, there's Let's Go Hunt Moose on a Harley. There's <laughs> um, Rented Mule. There's the Malkin one. I love uh, also one of my favorite ones that is not kind of one of the most used ones is just when he says, shave my face with a rusty razor. Rusty. I mean, it's it's... Yep. It, it's the way he says it as well. Like, I cannot do it justice by saying it into this microphone. But it, it's just the way he puts it into the moment. It is amazing. And, of course, my favorite, the one I voted for, was he beats him like a red and mule. And specifically his goal call on the on the famous Lemieux goal. Because he didn't say he beats him like a red and mule. He says, and Mario Lemieux, he beat Casey like a red and mule. That, that is something that will be remembered. I wasn't even alive. Listen, I was five years pre my life. And I will always remember that goal call. I can only imagine if you were watching that live and saw it. So, yes, he meant a lot to Pittsburgh. We already had that discussion. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to Season 2, Episode 72, as to why he's so important to the city of Pittsburgh, why he's so important to me personally, what he means to you personally. And, and that is where we went through that. But when it comes to the Langisms, there's nobody better, in my opinion, than Mike Lang at coming up with some crazy stuff and making it sound completely natural in the game of hockey. Yeah, and one thing I'm kind of realizing is there are these there are these slogans, and there's he throws them in before um, 
a goal call almost. Like mm-hmm. he's you get the he shoots, he scores, but then most announcers will kind of jump into uh, the play, describing like real quick who scored it, who assisted yeah. it, uh, was it tipped, whatever. In Mike Lang's situation, the goal happens. It's a slogan, and then it's everything else. It and then it's everything else. And I think that's just something I never really realized until just now sitting here. That um, unless I'm wrong, I just had I would have to go back and listen to a lot of other games and a lot of other goal calls to really understand it. But um, like Doc Emmerich doesn't have too many slogans. It's just more or less how he describes passing the puck is always different. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. There's swaggered or shimmied or whatever he used to use. Waffleboard it away. Waffle. <laughs> he liked the saves. That, yeah. was a, that was a big one. But and obviously off the is... post in a very high-pitched manner. Ping. <laughs> it's hit the post with the shot. That's what it is. But Mike Lang used to always throw his slogans in before the goal call came through. And it's that's what made it special and different that we have these kind of conversations too. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that you can have this many conversations about somebody who called the game, I get for 46 years. I mean, that's a lot already, but to be doing stuff like this and to be staying fresh like this for 46 years, making up new things, you know, making some of them legendary. It's why everybody loved Mike Lang and there's never going to be another Mike Lang. So don't even try to be one, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I, I think going back and thinking about my childhood memories of playing street hockey and yelling Michael, Michael motorcycle after I put one top shelf on nobody because there was no goalie. Um, It's some of the best memories of my life. And and I'm sure there's a lot of people that have those moments. And like I said, I I encourage you to to write in at iceberg podcast on Twitter, tip of the iceberg podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Let us know what, why does Mike Lang mean so much to you? We'll definitely read about on the show because it's something that's important to us. And we know it's important to you, so we'll definitely you know let you have your light there as well. Yeah, and also don't forget the uh, don't forget the uh, winning calls. All the oh, Stanley yeah. Cup calls are great. Uh, the, win- the I forgot he did this until so until the until that retirement video when he brought marbles to the parade. Yeah, what is it? I'll meet you in the schoolyard. This one will be for all the marbles or something oh, like that. Because it was before Game Seven, and yeah. oh my god. The- <laughs> brings a bag of marbles to the speech is incredible just yells i got the marbles because <laughs> he in just his old man voice because he was old let's be honest he was or at least he it's only 70 how old did he's say? 73 but i mean smoking has deteriorated a lot of that oh yeah oh yeah so it gave that that iconic rasp yeah <laughs> don't smoke kids <laughs> <laughs> it's it's icon it's an iconic rasp but don't do it <laughs> yeah yeah there's much better ways to to, to get a voice nowadays um uh, great stuff. Use your diaphragm and... instead. <laughs> Speak from the hips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think unless there's anything else, that's going to do it for this Monday episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We thank everybody for tuning in. We want your opinions on Tristan Jari because it's going to be something that is going to be a heavy topic of discussion for at least the rest of the off season, probably into most of the regular season and through every single game as it always is in the city of Pittsburgh about goaltending. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll see you guys on Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere 
you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.